Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
a comfort to know that when when we're in trouble when we just need that hug from God all we have to do is cry Jesus and he 
will meet us where we are with whatever we need because he is good.
This is a culture sermon series, right? This is who we want to be. This is the direction that we want to be heading. We want to make sure everyone in here is heading in this direction. We want the whirlpool effect. Remember we talked about, you know, if everybody gets into a pool and starts moving around the outside of that pool or the inside-outside you can get that whirlpool effect. And if somebody jumps in that pool, they're going to be dragged along in the same direction as everybody else. We, we know if some people are headed in this direction and some people are headed in this direction, it doesn't work. It doesn't create that culture. This is the culture we want to create. This is who we want to be as the Church of the Nazarene, as the Willard Church of the Nazarene. This is what we need to be reminded of every once in a while. This, this passage comes in a point of time right before Jesus would be crucified right before he would lay down his life for us. This is one of the last conversations that he has with his apostles, with his disciples, before that would happen. And and we know because of that, this is going to be extremely important. Would you stand in honor of God's word as we read this? John 15, beginning at verse 1, says this, I am the true vine... And my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Abide in me. Also as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, would you allow it to sink deep into our hearts? Would you help us to have a foundation in our lives that is built on it? Father, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Little background on the author, John. We've kind of talked about John when we talked about Revelation a little bit. Uh, uh, an older John. I want to go to a younger John, right? John was um, one of the members of the most famous tag team wrestling duos. I don't know if you know that. Uh, known as the, thun- the Sons of Thunder, right? Any wrestling fans? I went through a phase. I'm not going to lie. It was pre-Adobe, though. I went through a phase where I was into WWF or WWE. I don't know what the difference is. Uh, interesting time in my life, to say the least. Uh, seriously, though, James and John were, were brothers, right? Uh, two of the 12 disciples, and Jesus actually gave them the name, Sons of Thunder. Those guys were rough. They didn't mind getting into it with people. That's who they were in an immature state, 
right? There's an account in Luke chapter 9 where Jesus and his disciples, they're on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus sends messengers ahead to this Samaritan village. You know the Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. So the Samaritans are refused to welcome Jesus. And so James and John see the way that the people treat Jesus and they want to do something about it. They get mad. And they, said to Je- they say to Jesus this in Luke 9.54. They say, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? They're, they're thinking about Elijah and what happened there, right? And Jesus is like, first, do you even know how to do that, right? And, and second, no. And he, he rebukes them and, and they just go to a, another village. But that lets you know who John was. It's interesting, Jesus never got offended because of an insult directed at him, right? He knew who he was. There was no problem with his identity. He wasn't easily offended. But, but John sees the way that Jesus is treated, and he's ready to call down fire on those people. Keep in mind, that's who he was, right? At an immature point, at a, at a pre-life-being-changed uh, by Jesus. He's a son of thunder. Now, John 13 through 17, this is called the upper room discourse. This all happens the Thursday night before Jesus would be crucified. In John 13, he washes his disciples' feet and sets that amazing example for them. They eat the Passover meal together, and Jesus predicts that he's going to be betrayed by one of them, by Judas. In John 14, he seeks to start comforting them because he knows what's at stake, right? He tells them this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he prepares them for his departure. And he tells them what they can expect when they die. He removes the uncertainty about that. Next, he talks to them about the Holy Spirit. And at the end of that, they get up to leave. They start heading in chapter 15 on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus knows what awaits. The disciples don't realize it. The disciples don't get it, right? But Jesus wants to prepare them. And I'm guessing as he's walking, he either sees these, this vine alongside the road or he passes a, a vineyard. And he uses this illustration. He says to them in John 15, 5, this is the crux of the sermon series. All right, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches, right? If you remain in me and I in you, what? You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, though, you can do nothing. Again, this is nearing the end of his time on this earth, right? And he's like, what you need to remember is, I'm the vine. You're the branches, right? Keep that picture in your head. No matter what happens to you, keep it in your head. No matter what circumstances you have to deal with, You remember, you're the branch. You're not the vine. In America, we have this culture, right? We have this culture that encourages you dig deep. Find a second gear. Find another gear. Find something within you in order so that you can do whatever you need to do. But Jesus is teaching them something completely opposite. He's not saying dig deep. He's saying, be connected to me. Find what you need in me, right? You don't try to find that strength on your own. 
No, you connect to me and find that there. You don't, find, you don't try and find peace on your own. You connect, you connect to me and you find that peace. You find that joy. It's not your job. It's my job, right? Your job is to stay connected to me. Your job is to stay dependent on me. My job is to make sure you have peace. Make sure you have joy, the strength you need from this journey. Because you're going to need it in the coming days. You're going to need it. We're going to need it in the coming days, right? In the coming years of ministry, when they're facing martyrdom, when they're facing death, when they're facing trials, right? They're going to need this. This is going to be crucial for them. If we go back to John 15:1, Jesus says something very interesting. He says, I am the true vine. The true vine. You do a little study on this metaphor throughout Scripture, here's what you find. You'll find in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, was called to be God's vineyard. They were called to be vines. Isaiah 5 talks about it, about clearing this area and preparing it and planting these choice vines in this place. That's Israel. God's chosen people. These vines, though, they don't produce good fruit. They mess up a lot, right? And God rebukes his people time and time again. In Psalm 80, the the vine is the nation of Israel that God plants, and it gets trampled by wild animals, diseases, and bugs affect it. But something happened. This vine, this group of vines, morphs into the Son, Jesus So Jesus gets to John 15, and he's like, we're going to change this up, right? We're going to change everything up. I'm going to flip this around for you. You are no longer the vine. I'm the vine. I'm the true vine. You be the branch. This would have challenged their thinking. This would have thrown them for a loop. Now, now wait, I thought we were the vines. No, I'm the true vine. You're the branch. Why? Why? Because you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. You tried, but you produced some wild stuff, right? Some not-so-good stuff. I appreciate the effort, maybe, right? But when you're the vine, you just didn't bear the kind of fruit that I was calling you to bear, right? It was something, though, that would point to the one that would come. So from now on, I'm the vine. I'm the true vine. You're the branch, right? In me, you will bear much fruit. So, okay, what do I do if I'm the branch? If I'm going to be the branch, your job is simple. It's to just stay connected to the vine. That has to be part one, step one. That has to be your priority, right? Because in Jesus, right? In Jesus, you'll find what you couldn't find in yourself. Jesus wants to do for you what you can't do, what you fail to do on your own. He wants to produce in you and through you what you can't produce, right? Have you ever been very anxious and successfully produced peace on your own? Have you ever been there? Like a couple years ago, I've, I've talked about this. I went through a stage of anxiety, and I was able to temporarily produce peace in my life. Temporarily, I could flip on the TV. Maybe took, turn on a Buckeyes game. That game last night was not very peaceful, though. That was, that was a rough one to watch, right? 
but I could temporarily preoccupy myself with something. But then as soon as I turned that TV off, guess what came back? Anxiety. Guess what happened when I woke up at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning? Anxiety, right? I was not able to produce the peace that only he could produce, right? Has your life been turned upside down by something? You ever been sucker punched by life and robbed of joy? How are you at producing joy? You, you any good at that? We can produce happiness. Happiness is based on what's happening to us. But how are you at doing, producing real joy, joy that isn't affected by your circumstances and what's around you, right? Joy everlasting. I'm not able to produce that, but I've experienced it in him, right? We're trying to produce that or change things with our own strength. We try because we're Americans. That's what we're called to do, dig deep, right? And Jesus is saying, though, hey, I'm the true vine. You connect to me. You get that from me, right? We're cell phones. We go out a bunch, but our batteries get drained. And we need to come back and recharge, reconnect to the one, abide in the one who fills our souls, who fills every part of us up, right? If you're not, if you're out there and you're doing ministry, burnout is where you're headed. I know it because I've experienced it. If you're doing your ministry by yourself, if you're doing what God calls you to do by yourself, you're headed for burnout, pure and simple, right? This is what we're going to be looking at during this series. Priority number one. This is who we need to be as followers of Christ, right? How do we be the branch? How do we stay connected to Jesus no matter what? How do we find in him what we can't find in ourselves? What a lot of us have spent our entire lives looking for, trying to dig deeper for, trying to produce in ourselves, and we're just done with it because it doesn't work. This is what we're going to be looking at. We're frustrated. We're tired, right? How many times have you said that in your life? You're discouraged. We're defeated, how do we find what we need in Jesus? The title of the series, like I said, is The Branch Life. There's a growing trend right now to create these lifestyle brands. A lifestyle brand tells somebody who they are, what they're about, right? An example that I used last time was Harley Davidson. If, if you're a Harley Davidson person, we know who you are, right? You probably got a Harley. You're probably like riding around, you know, on that Harley. You're living free. You, you know who a Harley person is. It's a lifestyle brand. Another example would be the salt life people, right? You've seen this on window clings on cars. They've got it on the back of their car, right? This is somebody that's declaring, hey, my identity, my identity, identity, I'm a beach person, right? I'm an ocean beach person. They might be stuck in Ohio right now, but that's not who they are. They're beach people. They're salt life people. It's a declaration. This is who I am. I'm a Harley person. I'm a salt life person. This is the life that I'm committed to. Jesus comes in, and he calls us to a lifestyle brand. He gives us one. This is who we are. We're the branch life. This is what we're about. Living the branch life means finding our identity in him. 
by abiding in Him, right? And living out of that identity. In other words, I'm going to find significance in, in, in who I am, not in what I do. That's a, that's a big key, right? It's also a, a big challenge for us. It's ironic because uh, this is what I learned. When I know who I am, when I really know who I am, I know what to do. And when I don't know who I am, I struggle with what I need to do to fill my soul, to give me peace, to give me joy, right? So we need to focus in on who we are. You you need to find your significance and your worth, not in what you do. That's American culture. I love America, but that's American culture. But you need to find it in who you are, your identity, your branches. That's who you are, right? Society will teach you the opposite. Find significance in what you do, right? But for so many of us, we don't know what we should do. And so it causes deep turmoil in our lives because we don't know who we are. You remember being in high school, and what's the question that everybody asks you? What are you going to do with your life? Man, I remember being a senior and and having to go around the room and, and say what you're planning on doing. I had no clue, no clue what I wanted to do. I remember being a young 20-year-old, no clue what I wanted to do. I remember being an old 20-year-old. I remember being a 30-year-old. What do you want to do? I don't know. I don't know. That's the place you find yourself in. Focus in on your, your identity in Jesus Christ. And everything will flow from that, right? It, it's interesting that at, in this point with Jesus, right, he's getting ready to leave. It's interesting that he doesn't talk to the disciples and say, Here, here's my 12-step plan, you know, for the next 12 years of your life, and here's what you need to do in the first three years. Here's what you need to do. Like, you're carrying on the ministry. You're, you're carrying on for me. You're taking the place, the church, right? And, and, and here's exactly what you do. I, I, if I'm Jesus, I'm giving them a big list. I'm, I'm giving them some master, amazing plan that tries to identify every area, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He tells them, I'm the true vine. You be the branch, right? He gives them a great commission, but, but it's lacking. It's not very detailed, right? Because everything is going to flow from this, though. All their direction, all that they need to do, who they are, it's going to flow from this because this is where they are going to produce that fruit, right? Jesus just reminds them of that. Big takeaway, big takeaway that you want to get is the priority is on connection, not production. If you're an American, your priority is going to be naturally bound to production. So if you're not producing what you think you should be producing, if you're not producing what other people are producing around you, you're going to question your worth. Well, I'm not like them. I'm not doing that. I don't have this, right? Uh, that's, a, that's a rough place to be. No, your, your identity is who you're connected to. It's backwards. It's backwards from our society, but we got to get this, right? How are you doing on connection? If your connection to God is not strong, I guarantee you're going to struggle, like I said, with burnout. You're going to be struggling with that. You're going to be struggling with the same things in your walk that you continue to struggle with. That thing that you struggle with. Maybe it's an anger issue. I just, I'm not growing in this area with my anger issue. 
I guarantee you it's coming from you're not abiding with him. I guarantee you. You're not focused in on that. You're focused in on other things. You're going to lack growth. You make the priority connection, though, and this is where it starts from. Everything flows out of that. There's more to it, but this is the starting point, right? How do you see yourself? How you see others, what motivates you, all comes from this connection. You're going to become to begin to be molded. You're going to begin to be transformed. Your heart is going to change. In religion, in rituals, you just try to change your behavior by doing things on the outside. And it never lasts. It doesn't work because your heart's not any different. So you're doing it, but you have to make yourself do it. But if he changes your heart, you'll want to do it. You'll want to serve. You'll want to give. You'll want to sacrifice. Not because you've got to think you've got to do it in order to be good, in order to be accepted by God, right? No, you're going to want to do it because you're grateful for what he did. Pure and simple. You just want to live that life of gratitude to that, right? If, if you're married, think about your relationship with your spouse or your kids. Right? We, we underestimate the value of connection. We overestimate the value of producing when it comes to them. We've got to be productive for our spouse and kids. Every study I read says kids want one thing. Time. Time. Not Xboxes. They want Xboxes too, but Xboxes, Time. Especially, didn't you learn that when you got older, right? Once you have, do you even remember those things? Or do you remember the time that you spent with your family? That connection, right? Listen, sometimes you got to work overtime. Sometimes you got to take a second job. But if you have a choice, don't. Place priority on connection overproduction. I know guys especially, you're geared, we're geared, gotta, gotta produce, gotta provide, right? Gotta be good providers, but your kids are gonna benefit more from your time than your money, than anything that you can, that you can give them. And I think at the end of time, when you're older, you're gonna realize, man, those things weren't worth it that I focused in on. I do. I'm, I'm realizing that right now, just how I handled my kids when they were younger, Place the priority on connection, right? If you want proof of our mindset in America of how production mindset we are, look at our schedules, right? Look at how busy they are and crammed full. And, and we feel good about that. We feel like we're living up to our purpose when our schedules are full. But at what cost, right? Look how busy our kids' lives are. If you're, a, if you're a high schooler, right, don't let your worth be found in grades. That, that might not fly with your parents, but grades are important, but not the ultimate importance, right? I got good grades, and it, that's great, but your relationship with Christ will take you farther and further than that. It, it's tempting to be focused in on varsity letters, Right? How many varsity letters can I get? Those are good things. But I'm just saying, don't find your worth in them. 
You get a B, right? You get a C. Don't find your worth in them. Find your worth in who you are in Christ. I don't miss COVID one bit. But I do miss how it cleared the calendar. I guess I do miss COVID a little bit. It cleared everything. I, I remember having sitting outside on the swings, right? In the evening, talking to my wife. I remember being able to play basketball with my son. I remember going into my daughter's room and just sitting there, spending time with them. We're post-COVID now. And everything's gone right back to normal. And, and we don't have time for all that, right? I lost my connection. I'm doing this sermon, and I'm realizing I'm focused in on the wrong things with my family. And I, and I hope God's speaking to you too, if, if you are as well. Focus in on connection, right? Don't put the priority on production. Don't put the priority on production and think he'll understand. Here's another thing that I do, right? I'm thinking if I'm preaching, if I'm teaching, if I'm going to meetings, then I'm being a good pastor. But that's not where it's at. That's not where I find my worth, right? If I'm putting those things in front of connection, I'm doing everybody, including myself, a disservice. It is ridiculous for a pastor to, to get into this way because we should know better, right? But I slip into this cycle where it's all focused in on production, and it happens. If I don't have time for my sermon, right, and, and time is short, do you think I'm going to want to stop and have a quiet time? Or do you think I'm going to want to focus in on production? I'm going to want to focus in on production. What's going to benefit benefit my sermon more, though? Spending time with him at his feet, letting him speak to me, or trying to do it on my own power? It's amazing how when you focus in on God and you think you don't have time, how God stretches things and lines things up so that you deal. Make the priority connection. I really believe that this is something that God wants us to get during this time, right, and, and, and grab a hold of in this post-COVID season where things are back to normal. For, for too long, our Western world has put the, put the focus in on production, but Jesus' heart is, first and foremost, connection. Be the branch. You stay connected to me, right, and I'll bring production. I'll produce fruit. In me, you'll bear much fruit, Right? How's the fruit production in your life? How's the fruit production in your life? You may hear that and be like, well, I need to do this and I need to do that and, and I need to focus in on that. No, you need to focus in on being connected and let everything come from that, right? All that direction and everything else, everything come from that. There's a book called Organic Church by Neil Cole, and there's this part in there. He, was, he wasn't, um, the author wasn't a Christian. He wasn't raised in a Christian home, but he ends up becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, right? It takes him years to come out and tell his parents. Well, his parents watch him over the years, though, and they see this change in him. One, one instance, his, his mom, who's dealing with cancer, comes to, up to him and says, um, I got to ask you a question. Who do you take after? And, and the, the guy says, well, you know, there's some areas that I take after dad and there's some areas that I take after you. And she goes, no, no, you're, you're, you're not like us anymore, right? You're not like your father. What makes you so different? And he says, it's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. He's radically changed my life. I'm seeking him. 
And it's making all the difference. Can I ask you that question right? Who do you take after? Do people see Jesus in you? Are you spending time being the branch, focused in on connection? If you do that, you'll start to take after him. You know that. The people that you're around, you start to take after. So be around Jesus. Focus in on abiding in him. If you're, if you're spending all your time focused in on production, you're just going to stay looking like you are, except for worn down. Our, our natural bent is to find, continually find our worth in our identity and what we do and what we accomplish. That's where we find it, right? This, this seems to be clear to me every time I do a funeral for somebody. Before, before I do a funeral, I always try and meet with the family, and I ask them to tell me about that person. And usually what they do, usually the conversation is focused in on what they did. Uh, they worked here for 40 years. They had these hobbies and these accomplishments, right? They had a doctorate, or they did this, or they did that. They were an avid hunter. They, they liked to work on cars, and, and uh, they were a state champion or whatever it is. You know, it's not bad. It's not bad. But that's not who you are. That, that can't be the ultimate focus of your life, Right? Because it's just focused in on production. And we need to be focused in on connection. That usually comes out as you start getting, going along, though. You'll be like, this person loved their grandkids. This person would do anything for their family. Then you start seeing who that person really was, right? And you realize connection is where it's about. Can I, can I tell you about Mike Steima, right? You remember him, church family? Mike Steima came to this church. He was a hard worker. He was focused in on production. And then cancer came. And it flipped his life upside down. And he moved in on focusing from production to connection. Cancer would take that man's life. But do you remember the funeral? (laughs) There weren't remarks about production. There were remarks about connection. Because when he found out this, He realized what was important in his life. And he began to tell everybody he could about Jesus Christ. He'd meet with them. He'd visit them. And that's who they remembered in Mike Steima, right? Even though he was facing cancer, he had peace. Even though he was facing end of life, he had peace in Jesus Christ. I saw joy. I saw peace. I saw patience. I saw kindness. I saw gentleness. I saw self-control in that man because he was connected to Jesus Christ. He was abiding in him. That's what he looked like to me at least. I saw the fruit of the Spirit at a time, at a hard time in that guy's life. That's the power of connection to Christ. That's what we need to be focused in on. Who are you connected to? Are you trying to do it by yourself or are you connected to him? If you're going to focus in on production, you're going to struggle with those fruits that I just mentioned, right? You want to change. You try to change. You try hard to change, right? But you change for a moment, and then you go right back to your old self. Connect to God. Abide in Him. Surrender to Him. That son of thunder, John, who apparently had a temper, right, short fuse, wanted to strike some people dead, call down fire on them, that, that person who was quick to retaliate, that person spent some time with Jesus, right? 
and was changed. By the end of Jesus' time on earth, when he's hanging on the cross, Jesus is worried about his mother. And he sees John there, right? And he asks him to watch over her. The son of thunder? The person with the temper? Right? No, because that's not who he was at that point. He had grown. He still had some areas to grow, right? Why would you entrust yourself to a, your mother to a son of thunder? He wasn't. He wasn't anymore. He was changed. If you study John, if you look at first and second and third John, and you look at some other things, man, you, you see a totally different man. You see a man focused in on one another, focused in on loving people, right? It's his theme. That's who he is. John starts off son of thunder and then ends up being the one whom Jesus loved, right? That's how he identifies himself. I, I love that. And, I, and, and this is huge, right? He, he's not basing his identity on his accomplishments. Do you see? He's basing his identity on his connection. He doesn't even give his name in the Gospels, right? He just identifies himself by the one who Jesus loved. He didn't need recognition. He didn't need to be recognized for production. He wanted to be recognized by connection, who he was connected to. Some of us might be a son of thunder right now, right? Well, that's just me. That's just who I am. It just runs in my blood. Man, that's who my parents were, and this is who I am. Anger issues or, or problems that we really struggle with. Maybe we're known for something that just is not good. We want to change. We try to change, but it doesn't stick. Focus in on connection. Quit trying to change it. Focus in on him. Here's your life brand if you're a follower of Christ, right? Here it is, branch life. Be the branch and be connected to the true vine. How do I do that? How do you have a good relationship with anybody? How do you have a good relationship with your spouse, right? You spend time with them. You spend time with them. You're, you're Mary instead of Martha, right? Get in the Word. It has to start there. My friends, get, get a translation you can read. Like, I'm, I'm in the NIV right now. I'm loving it, the new NIV. I'm loving the way it's translated and I'm loving how easy it is to read. NASB, ESV, get a modern translation that you can read. Sometimes I, I hear people read translations and they're older and they really struggle with reading it. And I'm like, is that person really getting anything about, out of it? Like sometimes people read these older translations and I'm like, I don't even understand what they read, you know? Some of you are, are steeped in the old translations. You know it well and you're used to it and you, you got it. That's great. But if you're a new Christian... Get a modern translation that you can read and that is understandable to you, right? Pray. Talk to God. Talk to him as you would a good father. Go to him. Spend time with him, talking to him, right? Turn on, turn on Christian music. Turn on 97.7. Turn on Caleb. Let that speak into your life. That, let that be another source to get connected to God through, right? I, I remember that impact. I, I think you were talking about this, Nancy. Uh, grandkids and kids hearing that music and singing it, singing praises to God, right? Do everything that you can to put that stuff in their, in their life. Serve somewhere. Listen, you serve God, you're going to be dependent on him, at least if you want to do a good job. 
You're going to be like, man, I don't know what I'm doing in this area. I got no hope. And, and so you're going to lean on him. You're going to draw close to him. I remember when I started preaching, right? That still scares me, but it scared me to death, but it scared me to my knees. It scared me to be focused in on him, relying on him with everything that I could, right? And that's a great place to be because that's where you'll abide in him. Do those things. Those are some areas. Focus in on connection. Man, don't be, don't be like we are in America, focused in on production. Imagine if our kids, imagine if our daughters didn't focus in on their work being tied to looks, but instead being tied to being a daughter of the king of kings. Can you imagine if they got their worth from that? Man, it changed their lives, wouldn't it? When the enemy came and speaks into them and calls them ugly or calls them this or that, no, man, I'm a daughter of the king, right? That's who I am. That's my worth. That's my father, right? Stand with me. Great ways. This is where we have to start out at. This is where we have to start out on a connection, right? Hey, can I challenge you with something for next week? Memorize that verse. I'm the vine, right? I'm the, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We take on that challenge. Memorize it for next week. I'm going to ask you, first thing. When I'm up here, I'm going to be like, say it with me from memory, all right? It has to be a part of us. It has to be our identity. We got to realize the importance of this, right? I, I pray that you find your identity in him and your connection to him so that when the enemy comes, you don't listen to him. But you're reminded of who you are in him. I pray this especially if you lead any kind of ministry. If you're struggling with burnout, stop what you're doing, get on your knees and focus in on him. Get in the word, be praying. Do that above anything else. You'll get recharged, I guarantee it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I don't much put much stock in brands. Sometimes we're caught up in too many things that really don't matter. But Father, I pray that we'd be caught up in this. Father, I pray that we would be caught up in in our worth and finding our worth in you and who we're connected to. Lord, I pray that you'd speak especially to our kids and our young people. Pray that they would know who they are. Father, I pray that you'd remind us as parents what's truly important, as grandparents what's truly important. I might not be able to provide what somebody else can provide, but I can spend time with my kids. Father, would you remind us that we're all children of God if we've come to know you and accept you as our Lord and Savior? Would you remind us that you at one time walked face to face with mankind, but we screwed that up. We rejected you, but you didn't let it stay that way. You made a way. You came to this earth. You died on a cross so that relationship could be restored. Father, would you remind us that's what's available to us? We can talk to you. We can spend time with you. Lord, we can find peace and joy in you. Lord, I'm sure that there's some people that are lacking that in here right now. Father, I pray that they would just abide in you and find that. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.